This episode is brought to you by Certified Piedmontese Beef. Listen up, foodies. Make your next meal even better with real Nebraska beef. They have healthy, tender, delicious Italian heritage beef, grass-fed and sustainably raised on lush pastures in the Midwest. You can even create your own personally curated meat box that's shipped right to your door. To get two free steaks with any purchase over $50, use the code FREEBEEF at checkout. Learn more and shop exclusively at cpbeef.com. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Bear. The hit series returns with Jeremy Allen White in the Golden Globe-winning role of Carmi. He and the team will transform their family sandwich shop into a next-level spot, all while being forced to come together in new ways as they confront their past and reckon with who they want to be in the future. FX is the bear. All episodes now streaming only on Hulu. Hello and welcome to One for the Road with me, Sober Dave. I'm going to be talking to some incredible guests over the next few weeks, all of whom have made the decision to look at their relationship with alcohol and take steps towards a positive change. My guests are all at different points in their journey, but all have powerful and uplifting stories to share. And that's why I hope you find each episode a valuable source of inspiration and insight. This season's podcast is sponsored by a great new startup called Tweak Life. They have built a well-being hub full of useful information of tweaks that you can make, including mindfulness, nutrition, exercise, managing addictions, improving your finances and even the menopause. The last few years have been really tough for us all. And with this in mind, Louise created this hub hoping to help individuals and businesses offer this to their employees and apply some of these tweaks to make a difference to people's lives. This is free to use, so for more information, please go to tweaklife.co.uk. My guest today on One for the Road was born in Sunderland in 1971. From his early days as an actor, he has appeared in several iconic appearances, including Madness of King George, Romeo and Juliet, and I have to mention it, the iconic Biker Grove. He is now writing his own one-man show, and the proceeds will be donated for treatment for those less fortunate than himself struggling with this terrible addiction. I've got to know this man over the last few months, and he is a truly wonderful human being. So please welcome the lovely Paul Drayton. So hello, Paul Drayton. How the devil are you? I'm devilishly well. Thank you very much, Dave. Yourself? I'm all right, actually, mate. I'm so pleased to have you on my podcast today. We've had quite a few chats over the last few weeks, haven't we? And a bit of we banter are. and whatever. And we kind of yeah. got to know each other, haven't we? In a sense of humour, but just a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> but you I do think crack it's. Me up. <laughs> I think it's really important. Um, you know, these are live stories that I record and, and you've yeah. um, listened to the format. And I just thought it'd be good for me to get to know you more myself because I'm a nosy sod. Well, so am I. And um, for our listeners as well to hear a bit more about you. And as you know, uh, I normally go right back to where you grew up. Um, what yeah. your childhood was like, and and you know we can start delving into um, when you started drinking, if that's all right. Yeah, let's go for it. I was born in Sunderland in 1971, and uh, I was the youngest of four boys. We had a great childhood. My mum was a teacher. My dad worked for himself at the time, and we had lovely holidays, great family life, no major issues at home. It was really idyllic, really. Christmas time was a bit rough because I never used to get what I want because money was sometimes a bit tight. <laughs> so, uh, and I always used to get the hang-me-downs, which wasn't too bad. Um, but yeah, it was all good. I then went through school. Obviously, my sexuality, I knew about it from a very early age, but 
then, back then, I mean, it's on the television now, you know, there's gay characters, there's programs specifically for dealing with uh, sexuality. And, uh, but then there wasn't. So, you know, if, if somebody came on the television, like two men kissing, you'd kind of put your head down or you'd feel really embarrassed. So, yeah, school life was a bit, uh, I didn't really like school. I wasn't very academic. I think now just being recently diagnosed with ADHD, it would explain some of my behaviours because I always used to be the class clown, not concentrating. Yeah, I was just a bit of an outsider really, but used to make people laugh. And that's how I felt kind of, I fitted in, if you like. I remember, and I've been thinking about this for some time because like you, I'm uh, thinking about writing a memoirs book and my life story because my God, there's been lots of uh, stories to tell. I can think the first time I actually tasted alcohol, and this is even earlier for Sunderland standards, was probably about the age of four or five. Really? Yeah. You know when you you know when you get those um, chocolate liqueurs. My granddad, yeah, granddad, the chocolate liqueurs, and I remember opening them and like taking the brandy one out and thinking, biting into it and thinking, oh, I like the taste of that. Or the yeah. the whiskey ones, or the really sharp and bitter with the dark chocolate. I thought, oh, I like these, and I, I don't know whether you could get drunk from them then. I doubt it. But uh, that was my first kind of taste of alcohol or the taste of alcohol, not, uh, not alcohol as such. And then uh, New Year's time, um, we used to have like house parties and like back in the day and uh, used to get really excited. And then um, as the party would get into full swing, I would dash into the kitchen, grab a bottle of Cinzano. I don't know why. And just have a little sip of the Cinzano. To me, it used to taste like sausages. I don't I don't know why. That's just my <laughs> recollection. <laughs> no more mention of sausages. And I, I remember the feeling that it gave us. It just kind of made me a little bit more, I don't know, funnier or more confident. I wasn't a, sh- a shy child as such. It just gave you that little bit extra boost kind of thing yeah so that was the first time I kind of started to drink proper alcohol but not properly obviously and then obviously when we'd go on holidays my mum was a teacher so we'd go abroad for like four or five weeks in the uh, school holidays and you'd see like your parents and your friends parents all having a drink and like having a laugh and a good time and so you associated alcohol with having a good time and Obviously, and like most kids nowadays, they'll go, oh, give us a sip of your beer, dad. You know, give us, yeah. a, you know, and, the, and the, you know, the dads will give them a sip of the beer or the mums will give them a sip of the wine kind of thing. Oh, again, I don't think it started then either. Uh, and I don't think it had any impact on the way I kind of progressed, if you like. So anyway, I then started school, started work, sorry, straight from school. Uh, one of my neighbours, uh, actually my first girlfriend, Ashley Coombs. She, her father worked as a postmaster general in Sunderland and she was the year ahead of me at school. And so when she left school, she went straight to work as a post lady. And that's what I did. Um, Left school at the age of 16, started off as a postal cadet, did that for a few years, then went on to be a postman. I used to love getting up early on the morning and then going to work, doing my own thing and then coming home, having a little afternoon nap at my grandma's house. And then going out in the afternoon and doing the horse, because I used to have a horse then as well. I then started working my way up within the Royal Mail, became a telephone salesperson. Then I started to work as a sales representative for the Royal Mail. And I was going out to uh, small businesses, selling uh, stamps and services to small businesses. And uh, one of the things that sticks out is that um, with these sales conferences, they used to kind of like once every four months or something, get all the salespeople from the Royal Mail together and throw like a massive sales events, conferences and targets and all this kind of crap. And uh, and it was free booze. So free booze, you know, it just led you to kind of like getting absolutely hammered. And I remember like getting so pissed that you, you were so pissed that you would just still go to the bar and order a double whiskey and and take it to bed with you for, for no reason. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Now, and also thinking of whiskey, it's, it's jogged me memory that when I was kind of in my early days of working, I didn't used to sleep very well. And my mum used to say, oh, I, I don't sleep very well because the mind was going round and round and round and round. And so what I used to do is go downstairs and make myself a, um, a whiskey and milk, hot whiskey and milk. And that used to kind of just relax his calm my brain and I used to get off to sleep. So again, I would associate booze 
with kind of relaxation mm. and getting off to sleep. So all of these things are kind of having fun with alcohol, getting yourself to sleep with alcohol. It kind of all ties in with, with nowadays. All association, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. How old were you uh, when you was the salesman guy? From about 21. Yeah. So yeah. leading up to that, it didn't seem yeah. too bad, but it no, was... no. Because getting and, and, up early as a postman and stuff. Exactly, to... yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, at weekends, I used to uh, run a host a karaoke night in a restaurant in Sunderland. And towards the end, I mean, I left the Royal Mail when I was 26 because I was doing a little bit of amateur dramatics. And um, I wasn't happy at the Royal Mail, obviously. And I thought, Do you know what, I'm going to take my chances and give it a go and try and save up and move to London to train as like a professional actor. So towards the end, I was doing about four jobs. I was working on a Saturday morning in a garage doing the books. I was working for the Royal Mail. I was doing a little bit of modelling and I was doing a karaoke night. But again, even with the karaoke, like I was up there and I wasn't drinking because obviously I was working. I then decided that I was going to kind of give it all up and uh, and try my chance and audition for some drama schools in London which I did. Yeah. And uh, I auditioned for four and got in at one of probably the best ones in London, which I was thrilled about. I was living at home. I was my mum's baby. And uh, she was really pleased that I was going for my dreams. But uh, she was really sad to see, yeah. see me go, if you like. Yeah. So, so, yeah, then I had um, three great years at uh, Drama College, the Drama Centre. And uh, Tom Hardy was there at the same time as me. Uh, Michael Fassbender. Ria Russell Brand was there. We used to hate each other. Oh, did you? Yeah. Well, he was a larger-than-life character, and I used to look at him thinking, what on earth is he on about? Yeah. You know, and, uh, and he talks very much openly now about his addictions, isn't it? You know, well, so does Tom think? Hardy, actually. Well, Tom Hardy, Tom Hardy, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've met him a few times afterwards, and, uh, yeah, he's he's had his battles with addictions, yeah. without a doubt. I yeah. mean, when you look at quite a lot of like actors now, like Anthony Hopkins, Bradley Cooper, Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, the ball. Yeah had addictions so i'm not saying I'm as, I'm as good as them or i'd like to get where they are one no day, you're perhaps. better than them mate there's, there's well we'll see we'll out. see dave we'll see <laughs> fingers crossed yeah. it takes hard work i've always wanted to kind of do things on my own merit you know mm. i've always wanted to you not use contacts or people that i know or people i could get to know i've always yeah. wanted to do it on my own merit which has probably been me downfall in a way a little bit you know so so um you was at drama school you finished that three years how's your drinking throughout that then throughout drama school it was probably well you know it's like students you'd have a few pints at lunchtime or something not lunchtime at dinner you know tea time away from home not having to drive not having to have any responsibility you know it was it was easy it was easier yeah. and then obviously there was parties to go to and uh, events to go to and uh, so i used to kind of get pissed and then always have that kind of that feeling of oh is the booze in the house when i get home and oh make sure uh. there's stopping off at the off license to kind of make sure you, you get that so you know that you've got some you know to have another drink when you get in the next day or maybe hair of the dog you know yeah. the day after or whatever so uh, so mm. did it start to change then because i can see already it's ramping up it was ramping up yeah and um and then when i left drama college i got a work i got to work in a, a shoe shop i've done many 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 jobs since i've left college Sounds like it. <laughs> yeah yeah it's a long story anyway but it, like most people it didn't take off for them and uh, and so I was working in a shoe shop in uh, Soho, and at the end of the uh, end of the day's work, I would go into the bar over the road and and have a dirty martini. That was my favourite, and I used to say that was my tea. Two dirty martinis, four olives. That was my tea, and uh, and then get home and you know have a little bit more to drink. And looking back, Dave, I've probably been a functioning alcoholic for many years. And I think mm. a lot of people are, they just don't realise it. I remember in 2015, which I'll go into a bit later, me and my ex-business part partner, who also had an unhealthy relationship with booze, we decided to go on one of these um, juice retreats where you just completely juice for a week. And I remember sitting on the EasyJet flight with her and thinking, this is the first time I've ever been on a flight, not on a drink. Mm. And not had a drink each day for as long as I can remember. And she was the same. 
So anyway, going back to uh, drama school, left there, and then obviously the app didn't didn't take off. I wasn't living in student accommodation, so I had to kind of start working in bars. I was working in a wait as a waiter. Um, I remember, I remember one um, restaurant. I was working in Islington, and uh, it was a pizza place, right? And they were doing wine tastings to get to know your wine, so you could recommend them to the uh, to the guests and uh, so they'll come around with all these wines and you're supposed to like sniff them whirl them around the glass and sniff them and then <laughs> and then spit out and i'm like whiffing it around going oh i'm getting poppers <laughs> <laughs> and then drinking the wine and then slowly but surely i was getting more and more drunk and the, and the boss there she was she was a bit of a <clears throat> whatever and uh at the end of it she was like you're supposed to be spitting the drink out i said you know what i've had enough of this and I took my apron off, and I just walked out. But anyway, and then and then I uh, did loads of other like waiting jobs. I worked as a florist. I was delivering beer kegs to pubs, and then I started to work in this restaurant in London called Beach Blanket Babylon. Now a lot of people have heard of it. It was kind of like big back in the eighties. Everybody who was anybody used to go there, and uh, a friend of mine used to work there, and he used to love it. You know, he used to cream the tips and have a little bit in his back pocket and all this kind of thing. So uh, he got me a job there. I'm a very conscientious worker and I throw myself in at things. And so uh, I loved it. You know, it was good, you know, having a drink during the job. Guests would buy you drinks, you know, this, that and the other. The manager at the time, she was from up north and she said, oh, do you want to be a shift manager? So um, I went, well, yeah. So she gave us a little bit of an interview and then I started working as a manager. So... Throughout those shifts, you know, you look, you're working long hours. Obviously, the, the bar used to get really busy and uh, you'd be called to this complaint and that complaint or this was going on. And, you know, the, the barmen were throwing their bottles. They were doing their thing behind the bar. And uh, so we'd kind of start to have shots and stuff like that. And I was working with three other managers as well. And, uh, you know, we'd just be having a good time. And then at the end of the shift, you know, it was like everybody had gone you have a drink to calm down or be back to my place and carry on, you know? And again, throughout this, that I had some friends and, you know, would get invited to nice parties and stuff like that. So I was living the high life basically, but just drinking yeah, and had some right laughs, had some right laughs and never got into trouble, just harmless fun. You know, I then went from there, I got headhunted to another restaurant, which is also in Notting Hill to a place called Manor. Now, this particular restaurant was an, on a site in uh, Old Saints Road, which was like more of an old-go area back in the 60s. And it was quite renowned for uh, drug-taking and drug deals and stuff like that. A friend of mine who was one of the shareholders, he asked me if I would go in there to help clean it up because the, the current general manager was, um, again, she was losing it a little bit and doing too much you know, this, that, and the other. Anyway, I went in there and uh, did a great job. I cleaned it all up. I was allowing certain people in. You know, there was a door policy, but I had to in, in, introduce a very strict door policy. And the people who used to go there for years were like, what are you doing? I'm, I, this is my hood. This is my manager. You know what I mean? What are you doing? I actually got punched in the face at one point. You know, after I'd finished my shift at one, two o'clock again, you'd have a few drinks to wind down and stuff. And then you were back there the next day at like nine o'clock to open up because, you know, brunch shifts and stuff like that. And I remember thinking, oh, you'd have like four, five, six hours sleep if that. And then getting in there and dealing with like yuppies going, oh, can I have my eggs over easy? And and Tarquin will have his eggs, you know, slightly boiled. And I'm like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so, um, so what would you do? You'd have a barman's breakfast. And uh, which would be a Bloody Mary. Yeah. You know, and you'd be like, yeah, I'm dealing <laughs> yeah, with you, you now. <laughs> yeah. No, I would have a Bloody Mary. And then, and then, uh, and then it would be um, espresso martinis, because then that would kind of give you more like caffeine. Um, so then, yeah, so then you just end up like throughout your shift, just drinking and drinking and drinking. Obviously, again, I was very conscientious and I, I, would, ne- I would never, I would never let it affect my job. But, um, yeah, it was just constantly there, basically. And then after 11 months working there, one of the shareholders who knew nothing about restaurants, nothing about the history of the place, 
I think he was a little bit homophobic and uh, because the restaurant wasn't doing as well as he'd hoped, he thought that he could uh, get somebody else in to do a better job, which turned out to be my assistant manager. Anyway, so just out of the blue, he uh, he got me and he said, after 11 months of working my socks off for him, just said, we don't need you anymore. But I again, I think it was a homophobic thing. There I was, I'd got, you know, a nice apartment, flat. And so I had bills to pay. Um, I was with a partner at the time. I was supporting him because he was studying English and massage because he was from Georgia. And so I had, you know, quite a lot of responsibility. And uh, again, it's a long story, but we ended up, that relationship ended because he was from a different ta- like time frame from me. And I've been out in London and done the scene and done the partying and stuff like that. And now I was working. He he then found the scene and the partying kind of thing. So then we just kind of drifted apart, basically. So I just found myself kind of in a place of didn't know what to do. Then I bumped into a guy who used to come into Beach Blank of Babylon. And he said, Paul, he says, I want to go into business with you. So we started to look look for premises to start our own bar and restaurant. And uh, it got to a point where we were about to put an offer in for a place. And then he just disappeared into thin air. So, uh, so that was that. Um, with your money or? No, I hadn't put any investment oh. in it. I didn't have any money. I didn't have any money. And see, right. he was looking to invest in somewhere. Okay. Well, he said he had money. I don't know whether he did or not. Then I um, was just kind of doing bits and pieces. I started working in a local pub up near Kensal Rise. And um, again, you know, throughout the shift, you'd be drinking and just cracking on with the customers and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, it was all kind of hunky-dory really but I was never kind of happy I was always kind of like just working to live basically then I started to um oh no somebody one of the guests that used to come into this this pub that I worked he said why don't you go and start working for yourself because I was very organized and um knew how to kind of help other people I was very much for helping other people he said why don't you start your own business so then I started to look into doing that I started to write a business plan and get a loan and stuff like that and that was probably in uh, about, well, about 14, 14 years ago. And then one night I was going out to a friend's birthday party. I arrived at the party and my now ex was leaving the party, at the, you know, as, as I was leaving. So it was a bit of a sliding door moment. Yeah. So it was just kind of like connection more or less straight away. So I'm not going to go too much into that relationship because it's... Uh, it's not fair and uh but we had some amazing years together we really did we were really happy great holidays again you know shared a lot of experiences together and I, and I, you know look back with very very fond memories of it but i mean what i would say to you is when the drinking and and i think um my ex put this in his book he uh, wrote about it, it was in 2015 where I think it really hit me, the drinking thing, because obviously drink was present while we were together and, you know, holidays and, you know, social events and stuff like that. 2015, that was the year where I kind of really thought, fuck, I've got a problem here. So what happened was at the beginning of the year, I got arrested in Dubai because the one of the stewards on the plane, she was quite rude to me and she was, wasn't... Yeah, she was just rude, basically. And because I pulled her up on it, she decided to tell lies and uh, to to whoever. And so I was traveling with a good friend of mine. We were going over to Dubai for a 40th birthday party. I was traveling with my friend and her young son. And she was there to witness the whole thing. I mean, she could vouch for me that I wasn't aggressive, which they were saying, or being Larry, I wasn't. Uh, but she decided that she didn't like me. So I got arrested uh, in Dubai, which is the worst place to get arrested for, especially when you're homosexuality and drink related. And then further into the year, I ruptured two discs in my lower back, which I still have issues with. I think I did it at a garden centre, uh, lifting a plant pot, easily done. I got conned out of um, quite a lot of money by this scam artist on eBay, which... In turn, I ended up taking them to court and got the money back. I'd started my own business as property development. Again, after about three years, I wasn't getting on with my business partner. So we folded that up. 
there was just loads of other kind of like personal things that kind of went down. And that's when we went on the juice, juice retreat, me and me, uh, part, me ex-partner, and decided to kind of like give ourselves a break. And uh, I remember coming back and uh, my mum and dad had come down to stay looking after the dogs. We went out for lunch because it was my birthday. And when they left, I'd had a couple of glasses of wine. And when they left, I always used to get upset. I don't as, as much now because now I'm sober. I kind of see I'm, I'm more positive and, and this and other. And, and so when they left, I kind of just had a bit of a breakdown, I think. So then the, the drinking kind of carried on and... It got to a point, obviously, I was drinking on a morning to numb the feelings, to kind of hide the anxiety. My ex was working away and alcohol was my friend, my best friend, basically. It's keeping us company. And you know, and like anybody who drinks or whatever, you always think, oh, that first couple of glasses of wine gives you that lift, that elevation, that kind of feeling of euphoria, if you like. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that was it. But then, like we know two glasses of wine doesn't stop so you'd i'd walk into the kitchen sink right i'm not having any more that's it i'm, I'm not getting any more but then the devil on the left hand side and the the, the mm. good devil and the right the bad devil will go go on just one more just one more yeah, and it <clears> shouts <throat> louder doesn't it exactly yeah so uh it got worse and worse and worse and uh it got to a point where i said to uh my ex i said i've got a problem and I, I need help you know, I was drinking on a morning because I didn't have I didn't have to go to work or I didn't have any. Did, did he know this at the time before you you said this? Probably, but maybe not to the extent because you know, as we do, you hide, we hide it, it, it from. We? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, he could see that I was in a bad way, and that particular year as well, we were having the uh, the house renovated, and I was organising it all and co- coordinating, you know with the interior designers and we had to move out the house for a year and we moved into another friend's house and it was in a basement and it was really bad for my mental health. I was out of my kind of area, out of my comfort zone. And so again, I was just drinking too much. And and so I said, you know, I, I need help. I need help. So very kindly, as he always has done, and uh, he we, we booked an appointment to see me GP. And it was not, I remember sitting in the in the doctor's surgery and just sat there feeling like a naughty school kid while they were discussing me, you know, mm. like as if I wasn't there, basically. And it was it was an awful feeling, the shame of it. I mean, you know the amount of shame that you go through when you're yeah. in, in active addiction. Um, so, yeah, he uh, booked me into this um, place in London and uh, got medically detoxed, had a bit of counselling, it wasn't just for addictions, it was for other issues as well. And I was thinking, my God, what am I doing here? Why am I here? Yeah. And so I became sober. I was in there for six days and come out thinking, right, I'm sober. I don't need booze anymore. I'm, I'm clean. I, I, I'm ready to take on the world. As the months went by again, the social events would come up, um, situations where you'd, you'd, you'd allow yourself drink. And uh, and as an addict, you know, you just can't stop. There would be days where I would be, you know, drinking for two, three days and not have to worry about anything apart from, you know, it's to do the animals on the morning and the, the animals on the evening. But uh, towards the end, that got so kind of like I used to get overwhelmed by it all. That I just used to get worse and worse, basically. And anybody who has like gone sober for an, a, any length of time will realize that when you do relapse, it gets worse and worse this time. So I'll be, you know, drinking normally for for quite some time, and uh, and then something would happen, um, and you'd you'd you know, you'd have a big night out, and you'd think, oh, I can't. Uh, the best thing to do is uh, go to the pub on a Sunday and and have another drink. You know, mm. my other half's very disciplined and you know he had a job specifically to go to do and he would you know go and be professional and, and do that job and whereas I never really had that and um I think that's probably what I lacked in a way and and I lacked for, for many many years no kind of real purpose in life which just kind of allowed me to you know drink as and when I liked basically um so then uh I again had a few I was more of a binge drinker once I started, I couldn't stop. But, you know, that wasn't all the time. 
Uh, and then in uh, 2016, I got into one of those states and uh, it was really bad because when you're drinking, you just, you've just got no regard for anything or anybody. I remember just shuffling around the house, you know, looking at the dogs and the dogs would look at me and they would be like, please just stop. And you, you had no feelings for them. You know, you just didn't have any, you were just numb. Yeah. You know, and it was, and it was awful. I remember the second time I went into a rehab place, I think Bev, the eldest dog who isn't with us now, bless her. When I came out, she put her arms, her paws around my um, neck and was like, daddy, please, please, please sort yourself out. She put her close to me and she was like, please sort yourself out, you know, and you think, right, I've got to sort myself out. I've got to sort myself out. But one thing or another, it, 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 you get back to it. And I remember coming out of that particular treatment centre and thinking, we were going off on holiday uh, for 10 days. We'd book this holiday where we'd invited loads of friends to come and stay. And uh, I knew for a fact, as soon as I got on that plane, you know, there'd be the champagne and that mm. would be it. And so, again, 10 days away social dinners friends you know this that, and the other people going down for breakfast having their coffee and going oh i've got a bit of a bad head i'd be going to the freezer and taking a glug of vodka out the bottle you know it's funny because you a lot of people say oh i was the life and soul of the party i was the life and soul of the party and i was the life and soul of the party but then it got to a point where i was the 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 person at the party who was like, come on, Paul, you've had enough now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, mm. Honestly, it's so fascinating hearing your story because mm. I've been really quiet on this podcast because I've been glued to what you're saying because mm. I can see every step of where you've gone is so similar to mine where, mm. you know, in the eighties where I'm a little bit older than you, although you look about 25 years younger. Um, <laughs> um um, with the 80s vibe and, you know, the film Cocktail came out, didn't it? And mm -hmm. Tom Cruise and whatever. And it was that that kind of acceptable thing at work, uh, working in restaurants and that. And I know a really famous chef, actually, um, mm -hmm. and she owns a, a, a restaurant in London, Sydney and whatever. And, and drinking yeah. is just not acceptable now. It's not professional. Really? It's not the done thing. Yeah. yeah. And also on my podcast, I had Phil Barantini who produced yeah, um, Boiling yeah, yeah, Point. Yeah, really, right? yeah, really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So with Stephen Graham, yeah, he mm. had a big thing. But it goes to show as well how it escalates from mm. fun to an everyday thing to coping strategy to actually yeah. really affecting your personality. And this is what I've been picking up with you along the way yeah. is that, you know, like when you start to rely on it and then the first two level you out and then you kind of feel irritable with yourself and, and then yeah. it's not doing what it used to do, is it? No. Again, got you, you said like, it used to relax you, but then, but then it became your coping mechanism. It became your source of relaxation. It became your way of dealing with your your anger or your frustration or yeah. whatever. You know, you just used to reach for the bottle. It used to, you know, it used to. That that's how it that's how it works. Obviously, since learned now that it, that isn't the case. Um, but it's easily, quite easily done. It's, it, it ends up being your crutch. And again, it, you think that it gives you that kind of extra confidence and makes you that a little bit, li little bit funnier and stuff like that. And I used to be the life and soul of the party. And my friends say, well, you're still our life and soul of the party. But, you know, I, I don't need the alcohol for that anymore. I used to go out and, you know, I, I used to kind of like feel, especially when I was with the person that I was with, my, my, my ex, I was life and soul of the party, but I wasn't the star of the party. And so, and I didn't really particularly want that, but I used to kind of get ignored slightly. And so that used to affect my mental health quite yeah. badly as well. So yeah, that kind of um, had a little bit to do with it. So did you find you use it as a bit of a crutch for confidence, but also I can try and hook into this, that it used to take you another way slightly? Yeah. Well, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, yeah, I just got, I wouldn't say that uh, what what you're saying would, would I get aggressive or anything well, like no, that. Well, with or? your mood, would it enhance hmm. the particular mood you were in yeah. at the time? 
Yeah, and again for the for the night out or whatever, it would it would, and you know, again, I'd, I'd be life and soul, and would be getting up to this kind of thing and texting people, sending them funny messages. And I remember once uh, about ten years ago, I've got a really good friend of mine, and we used to get into all kinds of trouble when we were drinking. And uh, I snap, screen grabbed a porno with this woman sucking this man's ballad, and I stupidly put it on her Facebook page. And then the next morning, her mother saw it, and she was horrified. And I, you know, that fear in the morning. Yeah, like, my God, what well, well, I don't even remember doing well, it. I can't remember doing it, but it yeah. was hilarious at the time, and everyone yeah, was yeah. pissing themselves. And it was so there was many things like that that you kind of uh, yeah, but yeah, it it, it did um, socially. It didn't really affect that that kind of my behaviour. But then, like I said, on that holiday, it was like. It got too much. It got too much. And uh, I knew that uh, I had to kind of rein it in. And I would rein it in. There was times where I would like do the four four or five day binges and then you'd kind of, you would with, withdraw yourself. You know, I would kind of neighbor would go out and get a load of those um, Heineken zeros. So I would yeah. drink like those thinking I was still having a drink, but I wasn't getting the yeah. alcohol from it. Yeah. And I remember the shakes and the hallucinations and the just the weird like the fear of kind of like you jolt yourself in the night feeling that you're having a seizure i did yeah. actually see a gentleman have a seizure in one of the treatment places and it wasn't pretty sight so i would kind of detox myself and uh, and then get through it and you know go for a good few months oh it's so painful you know like mm. when you think about the days of when we used to have fun with alcohol to wear it ends up like there's a, uh, an animation called nuggets that I quite often send my clients. Right. And it's mm. of the bird that is going up the road and there's a little golden nugget. Right. And, and on the first one, it ignores the nugget on the right. second one, it, ter- it leans down and sucks the nugget. Right. And it's like yeah. that red ball. It gives you wings and it's flying and yeah. really happy. And the further down the road, the more this bird drinks the nuggets, the more mm. it starts to affect it. And at the end, it's yeah. like the sky is black and he just lays yeah, down, just you know, and, yeah. and it's just so prominent to, to our journeys where we, where we start really, really, you know, enjoying ourselves to the end where yeah. it's utter misery and, what you're constantly negotiating alcohol in your conversation, you know, like getting up in the morning and taking sips of vodka out the freezer and, but mm. basically getting through the day to be able to, mm. to cope with normal life, isn't it? Yeah. Again, it was that, that fear. I always used to do, do a big shop at odd bins and, and make sure that there was booze in the house or, you know, I'd make sure that there was enough to, kind of so I didn't have to go out. But, there was a one point, oh, there was a few points, you know, where the alcohol, all the alcohol was like taken out of the house, taken completely out of the house and hidden. But as an alcoholic, you think they're going to do this. You're one step ahead of them. You're going to do this. So you hide bottle here, yeah, your bottle yeah. there. And also, mate, that can be dangerous. I mean, that that's uh, obviously they're trying to do it for your own good, but that can be dangerous because of withdrawing from it as well. Yeah, no, I know. I completely get that. And, I, ha- I have probably been um, medically detoxed about four times in total. The last time they did it, it was actually at home um, because these things, again, I'll, I'll touch on this as rehabs. I've been really fortunate and in a position where I've been able to pay for my own treatment. But a lot of these places, a lot of people can't. And the NHS are overrun. Alcoholism yeah. and all that lot is way, way, way down on the list. But these places aren't cheap. And so um, the last place I actually got detoxed at home, my mum and dad, bless them, elderly, they've got their own problems at home because I told you I'm the youngest of three, two of my old, older brothers, they also have had unhealthy issues with alcohol as well. And the next brother up from me, he's in a really bad way due to his, due to alcohol. And they, you know, they would drop everything, get in their car, I mean, my dad's just turned 90 and my mum's 84 next week uh, and just come down and just make sure that I was all right and look after me. And, you know, it was heartbreaking to to know that I've put them through that. And my dad used to say to me, Paul, look at your brother. Do you, does it not tell you to, you've got to stop this. You've got to stop this. And I'd be, I'd be like, yes, dad, I, I know. I, I know. I promise. I, I promise. But 
you know, it's just, it's an addiction. You know, yeah. you couldn't say to somebody who smokes, right, you're stopping smoking today and that's it, you know. Yeah. Um, it's a disease as well. It's, it's, it's something that's in you. I, I remember times where I was in the depth of the addiction and I used to hate myself. I used to think, I don't want to be here anymore. I'd be better off not here anymore. And I used to hit myself, physically punch myself because I, I wanted to tear what was inside out of me. Yeah. You know, I just I was thinking there was once Alan was away and he was really worried as he, as he was. Um, and he, he sent the neighbor around. And I, I remember I was just lying there in the bedroom in the pool of my own piss. You know, the, the shame of it all. It's, uh, it's, it's all been part of that bird picking up the stone and getting further and mm. further and further and not mm. being able to fly at the end of it. Yeah, and it eats you away inside because we we become shadows of ourselves, you know. Absolutely. Like I remember for me, with my isolated drinking, I used to literally shut the whole world out. I, I yeah. wouldn't answer the phone. I, I, I would be a keyboard warrior, though, because that yeah. was my way of gaining attention because yeah. I would be controversial and, and send messages that could be inflammatory and whatever because yeah. in my own self, I was frustrated, annoyed, angry, depressed, full of resentment for what I, who I turned into and whatever. So I used to lock myself in uh, mm-hmm. and, and I didn't want to see anyone. No. And again, you didn't want to contact neighbours or friends because they'd just tell you to stop drinking or they'd yeah. stop you from drinking and you didn't want to stop drinking. Uh, it'd be an intervention, wouldn't it? Yeah. A bit a bit like um, having the alcohol removed. It yeah. would be an intervention. It's like, pull, mate, pull yourself together. Mm. And, and because it's an addictive drug, I, mm. I we'll have a conversation about disease for another time. Yeah. I, don't, I don't personally believe in that. But nevertheless, it... It is an addictive substance that grabs you. And when it gets us like it's got us, it at the time it feels impossible to escape because yeah. we're going sometimes hours at a time trying not to drink. And then that voice mm. on our shoulder just shouts louder and louder and louder. And yeah. because we're weak and depleted anyway, we just give mm. in. Yeah. It's awful. So, so you you don't think it is a disease? Oh, that's for another time, mate. That's a, that's right. a whole whole. I, <laughs> no, I really don't. I, yeah, I know other people who don't think it is a disease, but uh, it's it's genetic or, or something. It, it, it is an illness. It's an illness. It's an illness. And 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 for me, it was a mental illness. And and it's something I work hard at now. Um, Mm. But I I also have the theory of working with uh, I'm in discovery as well, because the whole recovery thing works for some people. But I don't want to label myself as ill for the rest of my life. It it serves my, I suppose, my way forward is that uh, everything that's happened for me since yeah. I've stopped drinking, is a discovery of a new life. So it's like you say about right, horses ripping the, r- ripping the blinkers off and mm. looking at the view around me know, as a positive. Yeah. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Seeing yeah. the sky and, and and that's how it works for me. And for others, it yeah. doesn't, you know? Yeah. Well, again, talk on, on your um, Zoom meet last night, I was that, the guy on there, he was saying, you know, like me, he'd been out in, in and out of um, treatment centres mm. and stuff like that, and he thought he'd got it, and you know, then all of a sudden something would happen and, you know, he would revert back to it. It just, it grabs you. I remember yeah. one once in one of the treatment centres, they said, even though you're inside doing the work, you know, going through therapy and talking about it and sharing with others, your addiction's right outside that door waiting for you and it's getting, it's doing push-ups. It's getting stronger and stronger and stronger. It, it, it is an illness and I think, and it's like any other illness that you have, that you can't just come out of somewhere and be cured. I said to you yesterday, yeah. you have to work at it. You've got to find out what's right and what's wrong yeah. for you. You have Absolutely. to connect with the right people. And that's why people like you and all the other guys who follow you on, on Instagram, I always kind of point them in the, the right the right direction and that kind of direction to make them feel like they're not alone. And I think that's what these podcasts are about, so people but can relate right. to you. I mean, Listening to love stories and, and you know, exactly. like with, with you, it's, um, you know, working in all these restaurants and, and meeting your ex and whatever uh, kind of changed your life. And, and you then up to now have had two rehabs and whatever. And your drinking's got to a place where it's completely out of control. Mm. Um, what came after that, Paul? Like what turned things around? What was there a rock bottom? Yes, you could say that. 
and I don't want to talk too much about it at the moment because I can't for legal reasons, but there was a rock bottom and um, it was absolutely horrible. Obviously, lots of things kind of happened and I'm, again, I'm not grateful for it, but I think it was a cry for help, basically. And what's happened since then, I've kind of now used as memory recollection and I do not want to go back to where I was. I mean, this this year, this last year has been rock bottom for me. Yeah. And uh huge wake-up call. And, you know, I, I, I could not have got through this last year had I been drinking, put it that way. Because, again, I would have just ran to the bottle and um, and drowned my sorrows, dealt with it like that. So, uh, yeah, huge rock bottom. How did you do it, mate? How did you... Did you go back into rehab or did you do well, it? I was going to book myself into a rehab back in December last year, but then I had to go into a hospital to have a brain operation because after the fall I had um, a chronic subdural hematomas. So I couldn't actually go to a rehab then. And then in January, I decided because a second court case was coming up, um, I thought the best thing for me to do was, again, check myself into somewhere and again i was very grateful that i was able to afford to do that i'll just say on that note that i'm currently writing a one-man show which i hope to perform to small venues throughout the country and go and talk about more in depth about my life experience and my life and uh and the contributions or the the the, the, the ticket sales from it i will contribute to people who are less fortunate than me oh, kind of thing fantastic because i remember the first uh well not the first but one of the um treatment centers i went in it was charity based and like i was i was sitting in these rooms with people who were like children who got heroin addicts and they'd been abused as children and there was you know really like horrible stories and i was thinking i don't deserve to be here i'm just somebody who's fucking drank too much do you know what i mean and i didn't really feel as if i, I deserved to be there you know and so um you know i want to be able to give something back if you like um so yeah i went into rehab on the 6th of january and i'll tell you a funny story uh my brother was driving me there to oxford and uh as an alcoholic you think oh, i need a drink i need a drink so i said to my brother just stop off at these services i need to take i need to go to the toilet and i nipped in grabbed two cans of i think it was mojito because that was my tipple from mark and spencer's paid for them ran to the toilet and necked them in the toilet on my way to on to rehab and i always used to remember going into service station toilets and seeing two cans of lager in the finger thinking what's somebody doing drinking bloody lager in, in the yeah. box probably <laughs> on their way to uh onto a treatment center yeah. not to be treated but yeah that was the last time i had a drink at the beginning of january and yeah again i, I can't really talk up too much about what happened between, you know while i was there or I, I went to court again and the outcome wasn't well. It was awful, uh, but again, I'm dealing with that. But uh, that's when you know that that's my time. That's my time's up. You know, and like you, I don't think I can never have a drink again. I can never have a drink again. I'm not thinking like that. I'd like to say maybe when I get to your age, Dave, that I can retire. Uh, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, I can maybe you know enjoy a cocktail or something as the sun sets. You know, I don't know, I don't know. But for now, I am in so much of a better place mentally, positive. I've made positive outlook. I've got goals to think about. And again, going back to 2018, I, I, I felt I felt like things were heading in my direction. I was getting really focused. The podcast, I was trying to get that produced. That. I'd got the characters that I was writing little um, scenes for, putting those on Instagram. And I really felt like I was doing something because even though I'm very grateful for the past 13 years that I spent with my ex, I didn't have to worry about money, but I always wanted to work. I always wanted to do my own thing. And that's why I did the property development. Uh, you know, I, I, I really wanted to kind of do my own thing and, and acting is is my passion. And that's what I wanted to do kind of thing. So I really felt like things were heading in the right direction and, but then COVID came along and uh, like most people, uh, it, my mental health and my self-worth just went down and down and down again. We had, you know, we had a farm and we had the animals and yeah, that gave me a purpose, but I just felt 
all of my responsibilities were depleted and it changed the whole dynamics of everything. And uh, mm, that's where what led me today. Do you know what I see from this this uh, conversation is that um, this is coming from me, is that um, you've had all the intentions of dealing with your relationship with alcohol. You know it was no longer serving you. You know it was getting you into trouble and whatever. But I don't think you found the right route until recently. And what I say, the sober community on Instagram is unbelievable. Oh, it's Uh, invaluable, yeah. And and we've become cyber friends for now, but I'm definitely going to spend a couple of days with you in my lovely rose down at your I'd place. like to call it a bromance, Dave. Bromance, indeed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm a little bit gutted that you're only seven years younger than me and you look 27 <laughs> years younger, but hey, uh, I've, I've probably drank more. I've had a few in my face. Well, yeah, well, eyes. that's not for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but my point being, mate, is that you've tried all this rehab You've gone through some real um, downs in in your life, and and that same happened to me from 2018, right? I I had a, a scammer on eBay as well uh, who took mm. me for a lot of money. I had a builder that took me for a lot of money, and then my mum became ill and died. Yeah. And yeah. all this happened within six months, right? And then 2019 came, and I stopped drinking. Mm. Uh, and then uh, that was okay, but then. Uh, lockdown Uh, and it it was a really weird challenging time yeah and since then my life has been up and down but do you know what because of the sober community and i'm not being all fluffy here it's the truth it's they've really helped uh to keep me focused you know and and Mm. when i see you speaking out on social media about your i don't you know people say mental health i love the phrase uh emotional well-being when i hear you speaking that and, and the comments you get, people love you, mate. And, and we've all got mm. you. Do you know what I mean? We've got you back yeah. here. And we all want you to do well. I'm going to, um, when I see you, give you a bit of a slap when you say I'm going to have a cocktail when uh, when I reach your age. When I <laughs> Sorry, mate. <laughs> uh, uh, you can have a mocktail, mate. I will we, have a mocktail. We, we, we can't do that. And, and you yet, know that. No, I know. I've yet to come up with a mocktail for an espresso martini. I'm sure there are ones out there, but I've, I've never, you know. Well, I, I know I, I, for some now, uh, good people. For now, yeah. No, you, you do the uh, one of your mate who's the um, cyber sommelier. sommelier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm he was sure giving you a good recipe. Yeah. yeah, he was giving a good recipe for a hot toddy again. Because again, when you had a cold, you're thinking, "Get in, I can have a hot toddy." Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And your whiskey amount would be like half a cup, and then you put your ginger and your, your lemons and your cloves. Oh, mate, and all honestly, that kind of like thing. I'm mm. sure I prolonged my illnesses. Mm. Like by days, by just getting drunk off the back of it. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. And again, you just go back to that thing of like through COVID, you start drinking again throughout boredom or you're feeling, you know, because you're sober, you you actually have to sit with your emotions and your anxieties. And you just know for a fact that that half a bottle of wine, that first few bottles of wine, gets rid of the emotions. And then it starts off, you're having a bottle of wine. And then the next day you're getting up, you're thinking, Oh, well, that wasn't too bad, you know. Yeah, I know. Next, I know. next couple of days, and it just creeps back up slowly, but surely it creeps back up on you again. And again, because we're kind of programmed to, that was our only way of dealing with feelings and emotions, and that that's what you, your go-to was. That was your medicine. You'd the, default setting. Default. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. Uh, I, I need a drink. Um, yeah. You know, like that thing, I've had a good day, bad day, any old day, yeah. or I've had an argument, or blah, 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 I'll just have a drink. I'm go- You know, yeah. back in the 80s and that, you'd get the parent, oh, I'm going down a pub, you yeah. know, that kind of thing. But since you've stopped in January, uh, you've got lovely dogs now, and... Do you, how do you deal with your emotions now if you're having, like, a, a stressful day? Good question. I, obviously, I start off the day, taking the dogs for a walk. I think that's really important. Yeah. I come back, I make a good hearty breakfast, usually scrambled eggs, avocado. Um, I have a beetroot juice with a little bit of energy yeah, drink inside. Just devil I am. Um, and then I've actually started recently doing the, the cold therapy, which ah. uh, Wim Hof talks about. And I do believe that is really good for your um, 
Well, for lots of reasons. Well, not, not for my... one reason, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I think you turn female sometimes, <laughs> didn't you? But, <laughs> but yeah, I, the water in the house, for some reason, doesn't go really cold. So I've spent 100 quid off this thing, one of my followers. I love my followers, by the way, and the ones that listen. They're so much support, and they show, as you know, show me mm. so much love, uh, and as do my family and friends. Um so I bought this like hundred quid like bath thing. So it's going to sit outside my back door and every morning I'm going to lie in bed thinking, shit, I've got to get into it. But I tell you what, I'm going to sit in there for three minutes, maybe three, four times a week. And and that's helped boost my kind of, what did you call it? Emotional. Well-being. What, emotional well-being. Yeah. 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 And now again, I'm learning more about the ADHD. So yeah. Um, kind yeah. Of, Cause I know my desk's there, it's got computers on, and I know that I should sit down, finish off my life story. I know that I started writing a play three years ago about five characters with different addictions. Again, that that was another thing I was going to mention on the podcast as well. When you get sober, you think, oh my God, what's going to get you in the mood for having a bit of uh, How's Your Father? Do you know what I mean? Because again, you used to just... You just there's, used to there's a million it, things you? you have to do, mate. It's like shedding your skin off like a snake. Mm. You know, you have to learn to walk yeah. again. And and some yeah. people don't realise that when we're addicted to alcohol as much as us, and it's been for decades mm. as well. Yeah, it's been a complete uh, way of life for us. And when we stop, it's like getting out of prison and seeing yeah. the world in a completely different place. You know, electric mm. cars and what 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 is that? Yeah. You know, things change, but you can adapt to it very easily. God, we sounded really old then, didn't we? Oh, there's people walking around. They've got these white things in their ears and they're talking to themselves. I mean... Exactly. Oh, my God. Mm. So, look, um, and the thing is, I had a guest on my live from the other night, Georgia, Georgie, and and she said, you know, you just got to sit in the shit, right? Yeah. And sometimes you you do. You can't just forever distract yourself and, mm. you know, put box sets on or, or go out or whatever. Sometimes you've got to sit with it. And, and yeah. how are you, are you okay with doing that sometimes? Yeah, you've got to face the world head on, I think. Again, just have, I mean, there's loads of tips you can give to people. I, 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 people say, write a list, make a list of what you've got to do. But, um, again, I'm not very good at making lists. It's stupid. Is that your ADHD? probably yeah yeah mm. and do you know what there's such a link with it now like i did a there post is, yeah. a few weeks ago about it right and it was one of my biggest um posts because yeah. everyone was saying my god and, and there's mm. books like um woman of substance jenny valentish she was a guest mm. on my podcast she talks a lot about um leg wigglers you know you see them on trains they're wiggling their legs because they yeah. you know they just can't keep still and, and yeah well you, you know, know adhd is linked quite heavily with people with addictions yeah is, their yeah. brains are working uh, and it slows and they it can't down. Slow them down and that's what they do by taking a, a substance or drinking it it slows it down I know. And so yeah i do a little bit of meditation and stuff yeah. like that but, but then again I'm, I'm crap at you know i start to put something on and then my me, me mind will wander off like i said to you the other day i was i started right i've got to sit down and read dave's book so i pick it up i go for a couple of chapters and i think oh there's me washing that needs to be taken out or the, the dogs need to be taken out. I just go and procrastinate all the time. No, I know what it was, mate. You, you were looking at the cover and you, you <laughs> thought, I better get in that cold bar thing because he's too hot for my liking, right? <laughs> oh, Paul. It's uh, been such a lovely pleasure. And I, I feel like I could talk to you forever and we probably could. So, it's time up. Uh, nearly, mate. I just up? want to um, wish you all the best. And we've got you. Everyone listening on here has got you. You got you Bless as well. You. You know, yeah. you've got you. I and feel like important. I've got myself now. I really do feel like I've got myself. And, you know, life's still going to throw shit at you. You know, you don't know what's around the corner, Dave. I'm not going to reach for that bottle again no. to deal with it. It's just not worth it. It's just really not worth it. I don't want to go back to where I was. No. I don't want to I don't want to revisit those. You know, again, when I was coming on your live I was in, I was in the supermarket and I, I was thinking, you know, this is, I've been sober now for nearly 300 days or 260 something anyway, 270. And, you know, you go behind, you go to the counter and there's all them bottles. I said to you before, all them bottles behind there thinking, oh, maybe a little bottle of wine or a little something just to kind of calm the nerves, to, to kind of give you that little bit of extra confidence, make you talk a bit freer. But 
I thought it's just not worth it, mate. I'm I'm just not going to worth it. And again, I was saying to you, you know, nowadays the cigarettes are all kept in drawers and stuff like that. And I don't want to turn into this you got to stop drinking because a lot of people don't have issues with drinking. But you know, when you're in a supermarket, it's there. It's on the end of the aisles. It's on offer. It's this. Yeah, it's, it's that. everywhere. You know what I mean? And it's it's everywhere. I just look at the bottles now and I just picture the labels as poison. Yeah. And, and I just think I'm not going to put that poison into my body. Yeah. You know, and again, and, and- I don't want to be preachy, you know, because I said a lot of people don't have issues with alcohol. They can drink normally and, and enjoy it. But to me, it's poison. I'm not poisoning my body anymore. Yeah, I, I um, cover that with saying that with, with me, I look mm. at it like I'm allergic to it. That uh, yeah. it turns me into someone else. It's like yeah. when I was drinking, I, it was like playing Russian roulette because I, I yeah. didn't know who I would become mm. depending See, on about- my mood, the day yeah. I'd had what I was drinking. You know, it, yeah. it was Russian roulette, and so I'm I cannot afford to become anything different from who mm. I am now because yeah. I, I know who I am and I'm comfortable with that. Yeah. And I, I just don't want to be a bit like Jekyll and Hyde in the movies, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, and I look at it like that and we have to stay away from it, mate. It's yeah. simple. I didn't have that issue as such. I, I just went from being, you know, drinking, being really fun and happy just to being really morose and low and depressed. And that's, yeah. I, I never, you never used to change my character. I never used to kind of get aggressive or, you know, start fights or anything, you know, um, you know, but I was fortunate in that respect. It just used to send me lower and lower and lower and lower. Well, it's know? a depressant as well, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And that's what people don't understand. It is a depressant. You know, another one of my brothers, he, he's been suffering from anxiety and depression. So what does he do? He goes and gets himself a bottle to kind of because yeah, yeah. it, it takes it self-medicates pour petrol you know. on the fire basically exactly exactly yeah and you know the other thing is as well is that um when i got to the real pits of my drinking i was on antidepressants and i went to the doctors and, mm. and i told him that they weren't working and he just mm. doubled my dose right it didn't even ask yeah. me about my drinking yeah he didn't mention i have read it. your book dave I have read oh sorry book. i forgot i wrote it in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh so that's oh, good true. right you, so, you lie to so your doctors as well a lot of people lie to the doctors and go how much do you have to drink oh a couple of beers half a glass yeah, well they know that night. but they drink more us most of the time sorry oh, oh, yeah, Is that an, yeah. A, an illegal disclaimer there but um mm. no um, it's um, yeah, but people have to remind themselves of that. That um, if you go like I've got this whole thing, like imagine a tennis court and you've got the net down mm. the middle, and mm. and the people can manage drinking. They don't even mm. go up to the net, right? But yeah. we leapt over it like lunatics when we were yeah. fifteen, sixteen. Right? Yeah, 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 going woo, and we can't ever go back to the other side, right? So when earlier you said oh, I'd like to, I know it's tongue in cheek about the cocktail when I retire and that. But yeah. we, we can't go back there because the way we're wired now is mm. that it, it would, you know, I said to someone today, if I had a oh. drink today, mm. I would be back to normal within yeah. a month, which yeah. would be a little bit again. I've not got one relapse in me. I've, I've got one left in me. No. You know? Well, you're accountable to me now, sunshine. So uh, good. Have that. I'm under your bingo wing, Dave. I'm under yeah, your bingo uh, wing, Yeah, I'm going to hypnotise you. <laughs> All right, mate. Look, uh, and just before we go, right, just quickly, um, my number plate on my car mm. says S007BER, right? Really? Sober. Really? Uh, and also 007, James Bond now drinks Heineken mm-hmm. Zero. Now, the listeners can't see this video, but what's behind you? What's it say on the wall? Don't even think of having a drink, right? Now, the importance of that is that you see that all day, every day, and the subliminal message in there is brilliant. There's a story behind that. The hour that you're allowed your phone, I was on Instagram, and this neon sign thing popped up. And I thought, I'm going to get a neon sign. It's pink neon. And in big letters, it says, don't even think of having a drink. And so that's the first thing I see when I walk in the door. That's if I can put it on because the electricity rates are so high now. So I'm turning everything off. You just put it on for this, didn't you? <laughs> I just put it on for show for you today, David. Yeah, it's, it's brilliant, though. It's all those little things. Yeah, it's all those little things that you can do. Yeah. It's like, bosh. Yeah. 
Now, the trouble is now, people are going to be looking for it. Yeah, exactly. Throw eggs at you. <laughs> <laughs> Our port you has been a real joy, mate. Says? Yeah, go on. My W-A-N, and that's all the rest I'm going to tell you. Yeah, wannabe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dave. I uh, um I it's been so lovely talking to you, Paul. Um and you, mate. I wish you all the very best, mate. And I know we're gonna stay in touch and I'm gonna come to your place and I'm, we're gonna have eggs benedict. Absolutely, mate. Can you do poached eggs, right? I can never get poached eggs. Mate. Oh, I'm brilliant. Uh, God, uh, we're gonna we can uh, be a right lovely couple, oh, aren't God, we? Eh? You do the that. eggs and I'll do the avocado. <laughs> I'll burn the toast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, right, thank you so much for joining me, and yeah, I'll see you soon. I really enjoyed it, and thank you for all the work you do. And, again, thanks to the listeners for all your support that you give me, and uh, it's much appreciated. Honestly, before I was coming on here, I was crapping myself. But, you know, you just go on Instagram, and you'll see you've got this. You're amazing, and yeah, well done. And it People just, love yeah, you, man. It's what you need. Bless you. Yeah. I love them too. Oh, I love you. I love you harder. <laughs> oh, matron. <laughs> All right, mate. All the best, Dave. See you later, mate. Bye for bye, now. Bye, bye. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of One for the Road. Please remember to subscribe and leave a review. You can now download my app, Sober Dave, on the Apple and Google Play Store. And on there, you will find lots of tutorials, tips and support to help you stop drinking. And there are also meditation audios, food plans and chat forums. You can also find me on Instagram at Sober Dave. Please remember to join me for next week's episode. But until then, thanks for listening and have a great week.